The Hornets lose to the Raptors for the second time in just a couple of days. LaMelo has a nice box score. We'll just dissect his game. And plus, Mark Williams doesn't get any playing time. And Nick Richards is back in the rotation. We'll discuss all of it today on Locked On Hornets. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. In a minute, cuz we live. We live. We It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcast. That includes YouTube. And if you're watching us on YouTube, you can see not only Doug Branson, where you can find his Substack every Hornets box score on everyhornetsboxscore.com, but you also see Nick Carboni of WCNC, and you can follow him on Twitter at Nick Carboni WCNC. Nick, I, I think the question, I looked at the rundown, and I don't know if you're prepared to answer this, but the Hornets question that was first and foremost was, will the Hornets ever win again? Can you use your journalistic integrity and tell us if if your sources are telling you that Charlotte will ever win again? Right, right. Uh, my sources are, I'm trying to get my sources to tell me who's the next Panthers coach, so I'll have okay. to shift gears a little bit with them um, and see see if they care at this point, if the Hornets ever win again, um, I would like to think so. Steve Clifford is one win away, one win from <laughs> to somehow breaking the Hornets uh, or the Charlotte NBA franchise team's record for uh, coaching victories to pass Allen Bristow. Uh, so, like, let's at least let the basketball gods let him have that. Although, Doug, I don't know if you're um, against this or not. I know we're a Hornets podcast. But if Nick has sources <laughs> telling him who the next Panthers head coach is, I'd be fine with him breaking that news on Locked On Hornets. It would be the I'm best. Sure. It would be the best way to break it. Uh, yeah, I'm all about the views, baby. The views and the <laughs> and the listens. So anything that brings it, you know, let's do it. Locked On Hornets names uh, new head coach for Carolina. Thanks to Nick Carboni, I can see <laughs> yeah, the headlines. I, I now. would love Adam Schefter to have to say Locked On Hornets had it first. Oh, that yes. would be. Shouts to LOH first. You can catch him on YouTube and anywhere you get your podcast. Thank you, Adam Schefter, for reporting that. Hornets lose 132 to 120. Second time again in the back-to-back matchup, the uh, schedule as it was. They're going to do this again, by the way, against the Celtics this weekend. And then on MLK Day, they'll be playing at 1 o'clock against the Celtics at the Spectrum Center. But the Hornets lose the second time against Toronto. And this was a team that was very similar to Charlotte in the way we had postseason playoff expectations and then both have not played nearly up to that level. Well, the Charlotte Hornets kind of get depending on how you want to view the season, uh, sneaky, important losses here. If you're trying to go to the Wimby sweepstakes to Toronto, because there was an outside shot, the Raptors could fall all the way down and mess with the, those highest odds, but not anymore. I don't think, I mean, here's, here's the Raptors are now at 18 and 23, the Hornets are 11 and 31, but really LaMelo had an impressive game. You see LaMelo, you know, going uh, and scoring very well. Um, trying to bring up his stat line. I think I have the stat line. Yeah, 32, 32 points, 11 of 19. I think I, I think he got the final score wrong. It was 124, I, I 114. You may have confused. Now, this is confusing because they're playing, you know, these same teams. They're going to do it again against Boston coming up. It can get really confusing, and the Hornets are losing a lot. So you can confuse the losses. But, Walker, if we are going to break the news – of the new Panthers head coach here on the podcast. we got to make sure we get these details right, okay? Yeah, 100%. Okay, one 124-114. I had the old box score brought up. So 124-114. Yes. yes, there you go. <laughs> uh, 32 well, luckily, luckily, luckily uh, the creator of every Hornets box score is on this podcast to keep everything mm. straight. 
100 percent. all right 32 points for lamello seven assists four rebounds 11 of 19 for uh, shooting overall four of 10 from three-point land but doug i'll go to you first because you were kind of asking this before would you call it a good game from lamello because <clears throat> the box score would indicate that it was well, it's really difficult not to say that someone who scored 32 points and had seven assists on 11 of 19 shooting uh, di didn't have a good game. And I don't know that I'm ready to say that. It's just at the end of this game, I was really confused about how to talk about it because you look at that, 32 points, seven assists, great. But then you look at five turnovers, and this was a game in which the Hornets turned the basketball over 22 times for 26 Toronto points. I mean, that was the reason, really, if you wanted to point to one thing, that's the reason they lost this game, is that the Hornets, as a team, were turning it over a lot, and uh, LaMelo had five of them to go along with those seven assists, and they were like uncharacteristically bad passes from LaMelo. Like, I, I said in my notebook, it was like watching Patrick Mahomes throw four interceptions. It's just like, what is, that's not, that doesn't have, what's going on here? He was throwing passes that just didn't make any sense and didn't look like LaMelo. And then at the end of the game, when the Hornets did, it seemed like they were down 10 the whole game, but they did drag it back uh, to down five with under two minutes. It's, it, they had a chance, and LaMelo had two opportunities at a three that he missed. And in fact, on one possession, he missed a three. Cody Martin got an offensive rebound, super great hustle from him, gets it back to LaMelo, and then he blows the layup. And so these, uh, these clutch opportunities at the end of this game uh, were difficult, and it's tough to pin that on him because, again, 32 points, his shooting kept them in this game. They would have been down 20 without yeah. LaMelo, and yet there were opportunities for him to complete this game, win it, and, and, he, and he couldn't do it. I, I think the comparison to Pat Mahomes is fantastic because you will see some turnover-worthy plays from Pat Mahomes every now and then because he does the whole sidearm and he does the whole no-look pass thing. And LaMelo will give you the one-handed <clears throat> granny rocket from baseline to the top of the key right. for an open Jalen McDaniels three. And so you feel like you can get away with that constantly and you still take all of that, even with the turnovers, you take it every single day of the week with LaMelo having that special ability to pass. What did you think of LaMelo's performance last night, Nick? Yeah, I won't call it a bad game. I mean, the guy played 40 minutes at halftime. He had 18 points. The rest of the starting uh, four players around him had 20. Yeah. Uh, so as you guys mentioned, he was carrying them along offensively. The other, the game before, I mean, yeah, it doesn't stack up to his 14 assist game uh, in the prior game to Toronto, but LaMelo ball cannot escape the problems that plague this team. They're also something that, you know, he is uh, has to get better at and that's, you know, turning the ball over. Although this was kind of uncharacteristic, as you mentioned with that many, uh, but fouling and late game execution and defense. I mean, that's, that's the biggest problems with this basketball team right now. And, you know, it's something that I hope in two or three years, he's kind of rounded out as part of his game a little more. Nick makes yeah. an interesting, Nick makes an interesting point. Walker. It, this game was so fascinating because LaMelo Ball was both, at the same time, a part of why the Hornets could be great someday, and he was also why the mm -hmm. Hornets continue to lose basketball games. Like He was heavily involved in both the greatness and the terribleness of this game because I look at this first – go back to the first quarter when, when they could have gotten off to a start – 
similar to Milwaukee that would have vaulted them because their three-point shooting is better. And a lot of that is LaMelo Ball coming back and finally getting into a groove from three. And it's it seemed to launch Terry into a three-point stratosphere as well. So their shooting is better. They could, if they played good enough defense in the first quarter, race off and get leads against good teams, but they don't play good first-quarter defense. And so much of that, go look at the first couple of possessions on defense of that first quarter. They did not get off to a good start because, because LaMelo was over overhelping in the corner uh, and then and then short closeouts. And these are things that I'm noticing and the coaches are mentioning. They're not mentioning LaMelo by name, but they're mentioning the overhelp and the short closeouts. And it's, it's not just LaMelo, but on, the, but on that start, I mean, it was LaMelo and there's no getting around it. And they started they started poor defensively and they couldn't rebound. Yeah, what what I what's unfortunate is that Lamelo is starting to this year develop this reputation league wide that the defense is just not coming along now. I mean, when you have articles written about it, when we're discussing it quite a bit, when it's being noticed the way it is, and the Hornets are among the worst defensive teams in all of the NBA, that's going to be a point to look at and say this is what is holding him back because offensively, I yeah, offensively. I, I was impressed enough last night. I mean, what you saw from him, you know, having the fourth quarter where he scored 10 points and then the second quarter where he scored 13, he shows you that kind of burst. And plus the efficiency, it was there last night. Free throws, missing three, a little odd from him on nine, but at least he took nine free throws, right? Like that's yeah. something worth paying attention yeah. to. The fact that he actually got to the foul line. So I really liked what you got from LaMelo offensively. And then you had LaMelo's entire game two quarters specifically, but really the entire game you had Terry's, what was it? Third quarter where he went off for 14 and, um, or 13. And that was your offense, you know, from those two. And that that's what you really uh, relied on. So, you know, LaMelo did great there, but you're right. Defensively it's hurting. And that's why this comes down to when you're roster building and you have LaMelo as a part of your foundation, because you're not getting rid of him. The only way that you get rid of him is if he wants to go, then, LaMelo needs somebody in the backcourt that is able to play defense at a high level. Dennis Smith Jr. helps you a lot with that, but he's been a minus on offense recently. Um, and you don't want that. You want somebody obviously well-rounded with some type of emphasis on defense, and that will help. And and as the team gets a lot better, then you think there's going to be a lot more energy, you know, all throughout this roster. So hopefully that can happen. Um yeah, that it's it's unfortunate again that the Hornets lose to the Toronto Raptors. Hopefully they can find themselves back in the win column. And hopefully Mark Williams can find himself back on the court. We're going to get into that next coming up on the Locked on Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Mark Williams got a DNP CD. Nick Richards actually got some run coming off of the bench as the backup big man. We'll get to that in just a moment this episode is brought to you by linkedin jobs as a small business owner or hiring manager you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with that's why you have to check out linkedin jobs with linkedin jobs you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills values and experiences to help you achieve your goals linkedin jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools they go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post company and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates so linkedin jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to but faster post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on nba that's linkedin.com slash locked on nba to post your job for free terms and conditions apply more uh, hornets discussion coming up next locked on hornets 
is Locked On Hornets. They're running their rookies to Greensboro. They're driving them to Greensboro and then driving them back the same day to play in an NBA game. I cannot <laughs> wait until the Hornets load manage. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. So yesterday when we were talking about the first rounder from Duke, it's not like he had this fantastic first matchup against Toronto, but I also use that point to say, okay, now we have a nice baseline to where we really don't need to see Nick Richards anymore because defensively he is standing in the right spot when he's supposed to mm-hmm. defensively. He is helping out this basketball team coming off of the bench as the big guy. So I chose that contest to point out that we have a good enough baseline to where Mark Williams <laughs> should be playing all of the backup center minutes. Uh-huh. And Steve Clifford decides to give us a DNP CD for good old Mark oh. Williams. And welcome back, Nick Richards. We'll get to you in a second, Doug. Nick, what did you make of Mark Williams not seeing a second on the floor against the Raptors last night? Yeah, I just don't. I don't think the difference between the two guys is big enough to say, okay, we're going to play Nick over Mark because of the physicality factor. Richards had one rebound in 13 minutes. So, you know, if that's what you're looking for, uh, sure. Mark Williams is somebody who has stepped in and has the ability to, you know, change possessions offensively and defensively within three feet of the rim, but still, I think, you know, he's, he's got to stay out there to learn how to be, you know, more physical. I think he did a good job of developing that in Greensboro. Obviously some matchups in the association have benefit, benefited, benefited him. Wow. More than others. Um, But, you know, he's got to learn to kind of bang around down there and, you know, still go get rebounds and still be able to, to block shots and not get moved out of the way. And I think he's been better at that than, you know, when we didn't see him for so long, it was like, okay, well maybe he's just getting like, you know, totally pushed out. Um, You know, yes, it happens, but I, I, I just don't see that the difference is that big. And for Nick Richards to come in and just like take 10 of his 13 minutes to Mm kind of like, get back into get back into the groove after all yeah. his DNPs. I just, I just, you know, I, I think at this point, Mark Williams needs to be out there more than not. Um, you have a coach that is trying to pass Alan Bristow and that is trying to coach a team to a play in. And that's where I think you get in the conversation of what are we really doing here? Uh, and you can zero in on the Mark Williams, Nick Richards situation. What do you think, Doug? Why is Mark Williams not getting any minutes? Can you make sense of it? And do you expect this to continue at least for the short term? Steve, Steve, I got to yeah. talk directly. To, can I call you, Steve? I can't. Hey, okay, do you Mr. want to go solo on this? Because I want this message to really go home. If, if you want to okay, go solo, sure, yeah. focus all of the – sorry, Nick. I know you're a guest and it's oh, rude okay. of us, but but we need Steve to hear this. Go ahead, Doug. Can I go, well, I don't know if I can go. Well, Mr. Clifford, what are we doing? I mean, legitimately, what are we doing here? What What's the priority? Because, I mean, look, I understand that you didn't have the most physical presence on the floor against Toronto in that first matchup. But defensively, Nick Richards was an absolute disaster. Uh, my friend Walker keeps talking about how Mark Williams knows where to be in the pick and roll. In fact, I've heard you say that Mark Williams knows where to be in the pick and roll and that he's done a better yeah. job of that, you know, in his first stint. And, but Nick Richards is the opposite of that. He has no idea where to be. And it cost the Hornets several baskets at the rim. The Hornets got destroyed in the paint. 
uh, by Toronto. And, uh, you know, Nick Richards was a big part of how many dunks uh, that Scotty Barnes was able to accumulate in this game. Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought Nick Richards, in fact, like personified what was wrong in that first quarter where they were good on offense. Nick Richards was really good on offense, but just awful on the defensive end of the floor. And I, I it had an energy, guys. It had an energy of like throw everything against the wall. Like I really feel like this was sort of the last hot breath of desperation before the cold realization that this season is truly dead. And <clears throat> I mean, I guess the physicality. Nick liked is that. Why. Nick smiled. He that liked how poetry. Po- <laughs> hold on. Truly dead. Are you gonna get sweet? Yeah. Please write that down, Doug. Yeah, you I can get, get sweet with it. it. Yeah. Go <laughs> ahead if you want it before it's truly dead. We like that one. That was a great dismount. I guess it's because of the physicality. Why you would bring back Nick Richards? Because <clears throat> I didn't see anything from Mark that was so atrocious that okay, he's hurting everybody else around him. It's not just about Mark's development. It's about everybody else's development. It's about not having the bench get destroyed when they go out onto the floor. But you're right. There was only one rebound. He's not been a good defensive rebounder this entire season. The the huge advantage he provides are second chance opportunities. The offensive right, rebounds yeah. where he hits <clears throat> the boards really hard on that end. And, you know, because well, they got really killed. Aggressive. And so that to me, if you're looking for like a reason why he inserted him, I think that's it. Because yeah. you and I talked about this yesterday. It wasn't just that they allowed 18 offensive rebounds. Like that's bad, but they've done that before and actually won a basketball game this season. I believe against Washington, they allowed 19 offensive rebounds, won that basketball game. It's that they didn't crash the offensive boards. They let Toronto, a smaller team, now they're longer, but they're smaller than Very the Hornets. Long, yeah. Yeah, they let them get beat to the spot, right? They, they allowed Toronto to beat them to the spot. And so I think he was looking for someone that would go into the offensive boards and put a body on a body. But as Nick mentioned, I mean, he got one offensive rebound. It was a good-looking offensive rebound. But if you're only going to play a, th- a guy 13 minutes, I'm just not sure like what that's going to do. Instead, he was like, all right, forget it. I'm going to go to Mason Plumley for the rest of the game. Well, and by the way, something that Steve Clifford hates is defending – while fouling and Nick Richards had five fouls in 13 minutes that he played. (laughs) I'm sorry, Nick, you know, it's unfortunate. Like Nick was good at the beginning of the season. It was, it was, it was fun. Can can I get conspiratorial real quickly? Maybe just maybe. Yes. Uh I know Steve Clifford probably wants the, wants the physicality from Nick Richards, but maybe we're just a month before the trade deadline. We're trying to give Nick Richards some minutes to dangle him out there and see if we can get a second round pick. Could we get some kind of interesting piece in return? Maybe Nick Richards is a guy that could hit the trade market. With Nick Richards, Nick Carboni, we'll go to you. Mm. Is that someone that you feel like could be on the trade market? And do you think both of the centers, right? Like, is it Mason Plumley yeah. and Nick Richards and anybody else, obviously, outside of the two big contracts we always talk about with Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier? Yeah, I mean, to me, it's everybody but LaMelo. It's obviously a lot more difficult to move those contracts that you just mentioned. But right now, I mean, Terry is smoking. So, like, is there anything that can be, you know, salvaged out of that? Uh, Obviously, that's tougher. You know, I I just don't think there's going to be, you know, none of these guys are going to bring back, like, a haul or anything. But I just think it's the beginning of the offseason. It's like the baby steps into what eventually needs to happen. Uh, You know, we all all thought last offseason was going to be a big one. Obviously, it was not something 
needs to give. And I think, as you've mentioned on a, a previous podcast, they're in an advantageous position of being this bad this early. Uh, they have a good run-up time to this deadline to see, you know, what they can squeeze out of teams for some of these assets. Mason Plumley is balling right now. I mean, like he is going to be an attractive trade piece for somebody that could use him coming off the bench. Um, but yeah, Nick Richards, sure. He, he still got some promise. He looks the part, uh, some nights he looks at a lot more than, than others, certainly. Um, but I think you could definitely get something back for him. All right. Before we go to the last segment, Doug, what were you doing? You were, you were up to no good. You just abandoned the camera. What was going on? Well, I had to change my hat because look, if we're going to get conspiratorial, (laughs) I don't have a tinfoil hat, but I had to get the closest thing, which is, yeah. Yeah, I have a color of tinfoil hat here, uh, and I, I, I want to get conspiratorial, too. I think playing Nick Richards was like – I don't even know if I want to call it a sneak tank. Like that, Look, Clifford knows what these players can and can't do. He's been around them long enough. He, be, you know, he kept Nick Richards off the floor in favor of Mark Williams for a reason. And so you know, I really feel like that this was not even a sneak tank. This was just a, a straight tank move to say, all right, I, I know what this team needs. I'm going to give them the opposite. And the opposite in this particular instance – was Nick Richards. Also, how about Jalen McDaniels before we go to break? I mean, has one player ever like ruined all of his trade value in one game? Because Jalen was was really close. Oh, no. We and we called him the most consistent player this season. Yeah. That was like four of eleven from the field, one of five from three, five turnovers, uh, and just sort of and he's done this a couple of times this season. He compounds mistakes, right? He'll 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 make a bad play and then like immediately foul. And and there were a couple of those instances in this game too. Like, and this comes after we get this report, and it, you know all this is like smoke and mirrors around the trade deadline. But we get this report that he's yeah. that the Suns are interested, that multiple teams are interested. But then this fun little line that that Mitch Kupchak values him a lot, and so <laughs> I think it's been t- maybe you know been tough for teams to offer something that that they feel like is fair for Jalen McDaniels, and then he put he goes out and puts out a stinker. And Doug. Fisher is back. Jake Fisher. He's fishing, baby. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, good fishing. fishing. <laughs> He's back. Oh, I got a like big one. Year. When, when, when the Hornets are in some rumors, who breaks it? Jake Fisher. Oh, hold on. Big I've got part. a fishing hat. Oh, there you go. Please. All right. Go find that. Hey, well, I I can't go to break now because my producer. Well, here, I'll give you something. I wish I wish that the Trucker NBA hat. had a similar draft structure to the NFL and had third through seventh round picks, because if they did, the Hornets would be absolutely able to get a haul for some of these guys. It's just tough to see teams even trading second round picks for some of these players on this team the way that they have been playing. All right. Yeah, that was all I had. I don't know if Doug's ready again. But. No, he's ready. Uh, yeah, so he's I got, got my I got my locked official locked on uh, fishing hat. <laughs> that, that's perfect. Official, okay. if you will. <laughs> um, I will. I will absolutely do that for you. Okay, coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Doug continues to go fishing with his trucker hat, and we tell you what we learned this week on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. This episode is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. If you love sports podcasts, you can also find those on Bet Online as well. And they're always the fastest and the easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today and use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online where the game starts. More to come. Locked on Hornets. This is Locked on Hornets. To start this off, we all know about LeBron. 
and how he built a school and it got a lot of fanfare. By the time 2019 closes, Bismack Biombo is planning to have six schools. Take that, LeBron. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. What did we learn this week? It's what we discuss when Nick joins the podcast, although I just saw the hesitant face to provide any information from Nick <laughs> on what we learned this week. It was brutal. Yeah, I mean, God, you know, at the second half of the season, right, you have the Celtics coming up. The Celtics are a good basketball team. I was listening to the Low Post podcast as well, and they were talking about the Toronto Raptors and and just how poorly it's gone for them this season. And they discussed how important it was for them to win these games against Charlotte. Like that, that's the kind of team that you are. You are the team. You are the get right team for a lot of other franchises. That's just how it is. And Toronto took advantage of that. This was a squad that was not shooting the basketball well at all this year. Well, guess what? They're shooting it well now as they demonstrated the last couple of contests. And so now they're off and rolling. Precious Achua, he wasn't playing very well. Well, this time against the Hornets, he got 10 points last night. And the previous game, he hit a couple of three-pointers to get back to what he was helping out just last year. The get-right team, they're the Charlotte Hornets, and they were that for the Toronto Raptors. So with all of that, Nick, what did you learn this week when watching the Hornets go out there and play some basketball? I learned something that, you know, was confirmed that we probably suspected for a while with this team and that there is a disconnect between the message that Steve Clifford is delivering and what is happening yeah, on the one. basketball court. And I think there, you know, you look at some of the quotes, Rod Boone, shout out to Rod Boone from the observer. He is in, he was in Toronto for these games. And some of the quotes that came out of that trip were concerning guys talking about, they have a game plan. We're, we know what coach wants us to do and it's just not happening. And you see it over and over and over again. Uh, and it has been happening all season. You go back to the first couple of games, the first couple of cliff pressers where he kind of really came out and, and went at his team about the, you know, fouling while defending and some of the other issues that plague them. And we know the message is being delivered. It's just not being received. And that's really concerning. Uh, and we've all suspected it, but it's starting to really come out now publicly. Doug, that's a good one, Doug. You mentioned it yesterday, right? Like that's that was the comment from Cody Martin. Terry Rogier continues to talk about that stuff as well. So it's a great one because, yeah, I mean, we we, we got vocalization on the disconnect now, yeah. just a little bit, right? Like yeah. we, we know that the players have come out and said we're not doing what we need to do and in very vague terms. You could always speculate what that meant, but mm -hmm. Cody Martin pretty much told you what that meant. Yeah. yeah, and I, you know, so offensively, Steve Clifford, like a lot of NBA coaches these days, really hands a lot of the responsibility for the offensive execution to the point guard. And, and luckily, he's got a really, really, really good point guard um, who can generally manage the offense really well. And so that that end of the floor, I, I don't know that there's necessarily a disconnect there. There was in this game just too many turnovers. But defensively, that's where the disconnect is prominent. And in fact, I tweeted this uh, I, around the end of the first quarter. But early in that game, when they weren't playing great defense, there were three instances where I could audibly hear Steve Clifford yelling, switch, 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 and the Hornets did not switch. And there was a, there was a play at the end of the game, again, when they were down five with an opportunity uh, to, to you know get this thing down to one possession, 
and they doubled, and Steve Clifford mentioned this after the game, they doubled, they tried to trap, and it went to Fred Van Vliet for an open corner three, and, and that was the dagger shot. And Steve Clifford said after the game, they weren't supposed to double there. You go in with a game plan and you say, all right, in these instances, this is when we're going to trap. This is who we trap. This is who we're going to play tight. This is who we're going to lay off of. And uh, the Hornets just, it's apparently one ear in and out the other. It's, it's really incredible. And it makes you, I think, a little concerned for Steve Clifford's future here in Charlotte because he was supposed to be the coach that they brought in to help bring some defensive accountability. And that doesn't appear to be working. Yeah, I, I, there are a lot of Steve Clifford conversations to come. One question that I had on WFNZ yesterday was, it, did Steve Clifford just jump into a season that will end his head coaching career in the NBA? Because mm-hmm. this is someone that desperately wanted to have playoff success, and he saw the talent on this roster and what it could become in order to achieve some level of that, something he has not done before. We have the seven-game series against the Heat, he has the one game, game one win against the champion Toronto Raptors in round one with the Magic when DJ Augustine hit that shot. And that's what he has right now as a head coach. And he wanted that. And you're not getting anything close to it. But one thing I learned is that the Hornets are going to finish towards the top or towards the bottom three. They are. This is a team that when it is when it comes down to crunch time, the Hornets can't muster up enough good decisions, good offensive play even, and defensively they can't get stops. I saw a lot of people talking about the pride last night because it's the second game in a row where they allow Toronto to go on this monstrous run. And in the fourth quarter, it all came crumbling down again for the Charlotte Hornets. So even against a team in the Raptors where, yes, they're a better basketball team, but they're also a team that they don't even have 20 wins yet on the season. And yes, they have a lot of talent, but this was a team that also wasn't shooting very well coming in and you allowed them to shoot. Well, I mean, you think you go back to all of the teams at the bottom of each of the conferences, Detroit is ahead of you now at 12 and 33. The Spurs are ahead of you in 13 and 29. Houston is the only team below you at 10 and 31. They'll play in just a couple of matchups, but I mean, Kelly Oubre's out. Gordon Hayward's going to miss more time. I have zero faith for them winning in on any consistent level enough to even get out of, you know, get into that no man's land, which is great news, and also it's pretty defeating at the same time. But it's so weird, right, Nick? I mean, because you look at Detroit and you look at Houston and even you look at San Antonio, go look through their game log. I mean, except for a few games, they're getting their doors blown off. Like, the, mm-hmm. the, these teams have problems that go, you know, well beyond coaching or, you know, any one particular player. They, they have, like, they're, they're really, really, really young and they don't have a lot of talent. The Hornets are young, but they're not like that young. This is a group that's been playing together for a couple of years now. There's some familiarity there, even if you've got a new coach who used to be the old coach. Um, and, and they're competing in these games. Like, they got it down to five. Like, they're not losing, you know, except when they play Memphis or Boston. They're not losing by 30. They're not getting their doors blown off. They are competing. They just don't have enough. And it's I, it has to be – it's exhausting to watch. I'm watching every single one of these games. It's exhausting to me. But it's got to be exhausting for that staff, and I think we're starting to see it be exhausting for the players as well. Yeah, it's just tough. You know, there is still fight there. There is still, you know, uh, pride to play hard. Uh, They have good offensive skills, and that's why they're able to stay in games, but they have horrible defensive habits. And obviously, as Walker pointed out, 
uh, poor decision making when it matters the most. So that's not going to win you many of these games. Although it, you know, even last night it was like, wait, are they are they kind of getting back into this game? But you never really thought that they were going to be able to come back and then close it out uh, because they just haven't done things like that all year. You know, you know what I learned this week is something that I've talked about a long time, and I'm just it's getting confirmed for me this season, which is this is what happens when as an organization you play young for like three or four years in a row and you don't you don't bring in that veteran leadership and you don't you don't learn some of the habits that allow you to go from like level 1 to level 2 to level 3 and i think that's just what we're seeing here we're seeing a a team that has played young for a long time they've built bad habits and they can't and Clifford is trying to say, hey, you've got bad habits and you should break them. The injuries have obviously hurt his ability to like execute on that. But I don't even know if, if they had been fully healthy if we aren't – the record would be different right now. But I think the problems would still exist because this is a team that I think really needs to reevaluate the whole idea of the roster and, and, and maybe make some major adjustments moving forward as we approach this trade deadline because they've got a group of players that have played together uh, for a couple seasons now, and it ain't working anymore. All right, that'll do it for Locked On Hornets. Again, go catch Doug, Substack, every Hornets box score, every HornetsBoxScore.com. And go follow Nick Carboni on Twitter, at Nick Carboni, WCNC. He's going to tell you who the next head coach of the Carolina Panthers is going to be. What's <laughs> oh, your best boy. guess? What, what What's your oh, speculation? Man. I don't know. I think Frank Reich isn't being talked about enough. He's okay. a very established head coach with an offensive mind and a respect around the league and, and in a locker room. So that's kind of my dark horse. Nobody's talking about him right now because he's not a 35-year-old coordinator. Sounds like Excellent. the Reich move to me. Yeah, perfect. Thank you, Doug. <laughs> you the man with many hats wearing three right now if you're watching YouTube. Go if we ahead. break the news, if we break the news, I want to do it with three hats on at the same time. So they have to <laughs> put the picture out there of you wearing three hats and it'd be a very serious story. <laughs> because yes. I'm a serious That's- journalist. I want WCNC to do this because we're teammates. And so so WCNC will put breaking news, Nick Carboni breaks the Panthers head coaching decision. And here's Doug with three hats, right? Smack dab in the middle of all of us, right? Like Listen, the- if, if WCNC and we are able to break the news of the Panthers head coach, like before uh-huh. Adam Schefter and others who, you know, we all know how it works. Yes. Uh, we'll be so excited that we'll, we'll do anything. So that's, oh, perfect. that's fine. Yeah. Excellent. And it's a great segue. We're going to be to doing coaching profiles. If you care about the Carolina Panthers on Frank Reich and Jim Caldwell today. So going to be doing that there from 12 go. to three WFNZ 927 FM. Thanks for making us your first listen free and available anywhere. You get your podcasts, including YouTube. Now make your second listen game to game NBA. All of the games talked about all across the association, only locked on. It can provide it a part of locked on NBA. And again, you can catch that anywhere you get your podcast. Have a great, Great weekend. We'll be back to recap it all on Monday. 